0: um all right all right
1: you you were asking about uh jhana specifically the first jhana yeah and um possibly the first thing to understand is is that um the first jhana is the foundation of practice and When one is practicing correctly, one goes into first jhana. That that's the whole point of the practicing correctly is to go into the first jhana. And that the other jhanas then are natural outcomes of the skills that we develop in the first jhana. Okay. Okay. So it's like, uh, graded music. If you can play first grade music, then you can play second grade music. If you can play second grade music, then you can play third grade music, but you be, have to be able to play second grade music. You can't go from playing and even being good at first grade music right into third grade music. Yeah. Okay. There's a, one step at a time. And that, um. The correct development of the first jhana then is the foundation so that the later jhanas can be possible. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But most people, if they do happen to get a first jhana, they immediately want the second jhana. In fact, they say with the first jhana, I want the second and on and they go. Okay, It's always kind of bottom line oriented or goal oriented setting higher and higher goals and standards that they can't meet and so they wind up feeling like a failure because they're wanting something they don't even understand
2: yeah
0: that in fact that's one of the four imponderables there are
1: four imponderables and what we mean by imponderables, these are things are not worth thinking about because you won't be able to figure it out. You can't ponder your way through some kinds of question. Okay? Okay. An example of that is what's the beginning of everything? What's the root cause? What is creation if you call it that? Look how many fights and arguments over the centuries has that done, and all anyone has is stories, and some of them have more math than others. Yeah. (laughs) But the point is, is that it's pointless. Yeah. It doesn't matter how things got started. Here we are. Let's deal with what is. So that's one of the imponderables. Um, the extent of the human mind is another imponderable, and we can see that in the sense of the kind of technology that we have today was undreamt about a hundred years ago. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cell phones and even chips and that kind of stuff. And so who knows what's going to be next because nobody does know. Because it's actually a whole lot of people that will work on each other, climbing a ladder that nobody even knows exists now. Who knows the extent of, uh, the neurocircuitry that can be done with chips. We don't know that. Okay. So let's take it back to another level. Also, people who don't have Jana don't know what it is. Yeah. And so they dream up something about what they think it is, and they take this and that piece of information from this and that person. And most of the people they learn it from don't know what Jhana is, and all they have is their ideas. And so by the time their average uh, listener hears about Jhana, they're not going to hear about Jhana at all. They're going to hear a Hop Hodge collection of various people's opinions no one of which has actually had the jhana so they don't know what they're talking about it's better to go to people who know exactly what they're talking about and get it from that perspective okay so that's the first thing is is that it's an imponderable that it has to be known and experienced in order to know what it is yeah but from there you you can say it in the sense of it takes one to know one once you know what it is you can identify it and spot it when you see it okay so this is kind of what we're talking about in the sense of that jhana as well as the whole extent of the human mind is another imponderable just like the beginning because some people can't even begin uh, can't even figure out what was the beginning of a conversation that they've had with someone right they don't it's imponderable they can't figure it out in fact the two of them will
0: get into an argument over what happened and so um we can see that a lot of
1: things are not ponderable and jhana, or the extent of the human mind, what happened in the very beginning, uh, the, a third one, by the way, is the um, extent of karma. That in Asia, is quite famous to look at someone who is crippled and say, oh, they must have had a very bad life, their past life. They must have been really evil to be crippled in this life, you know. that You see, you already are shaking your head. <laughs> no, you cannot make those connections. You no, it's, look far
2: too too, it's, it's too far vast.
0: It's too vast. I the the
2: the way I think of karma is simply universal cause and effect, conditions of existence here, right now. And to tie in all these ideas of like the past lives and stuff, it's like there's so much information here right now to their like present moment experience that you don't even have to like start saying like these are reasons why this is now you're assuming a whole lot of stuff
1: exactly (laughs) so and not only that but it's not worth our time and effort yeah it's an imponderable except it does it's an imponderable Mm -hmm. right that's the way to go with it Rather than, oh, I need to know everything, which is the normal way that we're raised. We're raised that, all oh, you get credit for what you know. And if you don't know something, you lose credit. You get your, your score ticked down in school if you don't know something. Yeah. And so we get into uh, the feeling of being punished because we don't know something. And so we're grasping and thirsting after knowledge, much of which is not possible, not worth knowing. If we could know it, it's not worthwhile knowing it. So a lot of wisdom is to figure out what we can figure out and not worry about the stuff that's not worth figuring out. Yeah. Okay. So now that is a foundation, we can say that the actual first jhana is um mentioned and talked about in the suttas in a variety of ways including the various methods of getting into jhana and what are the factors of the jhana and in Anapanasati, the whole sutta is designed around getting one into the first jhana including the various factors that are necessary now normally we think of that there are five factors of the first jhana But both the Anapanasati sutta implies it, as well as at least in one other sutta, there are, in fact, six factors to the first jhana. And that sixth factor is relaxation of the body. Okay, Okay, so the body is relaxed. It's comfortable. Now... That means that people who are sitting in meditation and dealing with pain in their body while they're doing meditation, 100 percent definition wise, they're not in first jhana. Not if the body has pain or if it has a sensation that is um, uh, speaking of lack of comfort. The back hurts, the neck hurts, uh, the knees go uh, uh, in in sharp pain or the leg goes to sleep those kind of postures then are not conducive to being in the very uh state of mind that they're sitting there is designed to get them into so they're in a deep deep catch-22 okay Makes
2: sense yeah
1: all right, so there's a whole lot of things that people are doing with meditation, thinking that they're going to get to first jhana when they're not. They're not going to get there because they're not practicing correctly. And relaxation of the body is definitely one of the issues. Okay go. So, let's look at some of the other issues because that's the part of it that makes it important is, is that we have to have all of the factors of the first jana gathered together. That it's like yep. a system. And if you, you know, have you, you know general systems theory? Um, One of the qualities of general systems theory is that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Okay. Okay, which means that a feature-rich piece of software allows you to do what you need to do, the whole show, yeah. as opposed to just one little thing. So you can see the, uh, the the possibility of having a car, but the car is actually in parts all over the yard. The motor's over here, and the tires are over there, and the steering wheel is in the tree, and you know, that kind of thing. All right? Yeah. You don't have a car. You've got car parts. The car parts have to be put together and assembled in a correct way in order for it to actually be a car because the car has a function, and that is transportation. If a car has no function of transportation, it's not much of a car, is it? If your car won't start, it's not a car right then. It's a piece of junk.
2: Yeah, unless it's some like show car that gets... Okay. You know, just transported around, but yeah, yeah, I get the
1: okay. Idea. So, so the proof of it is that it's a whole, or it's a unified thing, or it's a system. Is is that it functions correctly? Right. Yeah. The other idea would be a clock. The idea of going and cleaning one's clock, which means actually taking it apart, looking at the jewels, doing a little bit of polishing, putting a little bit of oil on it, and putting it back in correct order and position so that the clock functions correctly. And that correctly functioning clock is the Pali word samati. This is an important point because normally Western mentality has to do the transmission or the translation rather of the word samadhi, is concentration. So they think that there's some element of concentration in jhana, which in fact, no, it's not an issue of concentration. It's It's a concept of gaining and gathering all the factors together so that the mind is properly functioning and unified.
2: Uh, a quick not question on
1: that line. Okay. Yeah, a
2: quick question on that line. Would you say maybe more than concentration, it's absorption? Would that That's be a even
1: word? a worse word to use. A
2: worse word. <laughs> That's okay. even
1: a worse word to use. Why? Because <laughs> okay. when you're absorbed with something, you are not paying attention to what's going on around you. Okay. But in fact, correct understanding of absorption is you desperately want out of it. Just like if you were completely absorbed in the water and in the ocean, the first thing you want is to not be absorbed with it. You want out of it. You want to at least get your head above the water. And after an hour or two, you want your body out too. Okay. Right?
2: Well, anyway, You're not continue.
1: looking for absorption or taking the mind and getting it stuck on something.
2: Okay. Well, that's okay? useful.
1: An example of that is within the Zen training, They have a thing called a Zen stick. Uh
0: Who gets hit with the Zen stick?
2: Probably the guy absorbed in
1: something. The one who's not paying attention to the fact that the teacher's in the room. Everybody else is going to perk up just a little bit to let him know, I know you're right behind me. And those who don't know that he's behind him because they're absorbed in something. Daydreaming, off no, in outer space, of in meditation, they get whacked. Wakey, wakey, wake up. Be here now. Don't get lost in something that you are artificially labeling as concentration when really what you're doing is just simply so focused on something, you're not paying attention to what's going on. People get absorbed in books. Their house can be on fire. And they can read a page or two before they recognize that they smell smoke when they could have done that 30 seconds ago and maybe saved their house. Another example of that is taking the Zen stick into ninja training. The Zen uh, master not just walks into the dojo where they're sitting, he walks into the dormitory when they're sleeping. Guess who gets hit with the
0: Zen stick then?
2: I'm not
0: sure. The one it, it, who is still asleep when the
1: Zen master comes no, in the room. To,
2: yeah, they're all supposed right, to Right, they're up, supposed they're ninjas, to wake up. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now that we get that definition, we can understand why Western Buddhism is going off in the wrong direction, because they're actually getting absorbed into something, not paying attention to what's going on, and their Zen master, their bad feelings, come into their room and whack them. And they don't even know why. And when it whacks them hard enough, they call it a dark night of the soul.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: So that's the whole point is the teaching of the Buddha has to do with the number one issue is to get the mind free from hindrances. What are the hindrances? The things that we concentrate on the things we pay attention to to stop that And to come into the present moment and start spending more of our time in our actual senses, rather than in the sense door of the mind. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yet another example of that is a student who is uh, uh, calls me after he has a situation. With his dad, you see, he's at home working on his computer. He's a computer scientist, and he's deeply into code, and his dad comes into the room to say goodnight. And he didn't even wave. He just continued to, um, uh, <clears throat> to type. And his dad got angry and just blew up at him. And he didn't understand why. But the reason is, is that he was too busy in typing and not paying attention to give the Zen master his due. And so the Zen master whacked him with a stick. He began to call his dad the Zen master. Why? Because you got to pay attention to what's going on. You can't just go around absorbed in whatever you want to get absorbed in. You need to start paying attention to what's going on. Okay. So this is the very first issue about Jhana. It's not absorption. It is getting out of being absorbed and being into the present moment. Having your senses awake. Another possible way of thinking about it is be in such a state so that no one can sneak up behind you, not even a Zen master. No one can get your goat. No
0: one can pull a fast one on you because you're awake and you're watching what's going on.
2: Okay. Well, that's a much different angle than I've heard before, but I see a lot of value in it. So, what are the other five factors, if you want to get into that, or I that's
1: exactly where we're this. going. Okay, Okay? That's the whole rest of the talk. But first, we have to understand that it is not absorbed. It is not focused. It is in fact, being in a state of intentionally
0: not focusing Or, Another way of thinking about it is unifying
1: things, putting them together, where concentration is, in fact, whacking things apart and separating them out. And samadhi is putting things back together. One of my examples, even though it doesn't work anymore, because nobody's used this stuff in years and years, and that is frozen concentrated orange juice. Have you ever heard of it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar okay. with it.
1: Have you ever drank frozen concentrated orange juice?
2: Without having like the water? While it's
1: still concentrated, exactly. No, I have not. No, if you do, you don't want to do it a second and a third and a fourth time. (laughs) No, you want it to be not concentrated. You want it to be samadhi. You want it to be complete. You want to have the right ingredients in it. You want it complete and
0: whole, not concentrated, not whacked off. Okay. Uh, So now (laughs) we're
1: understanding a little bit more about these factors. We actually have to add the water back into the dryness. You probably heard about the distinction between wet and dry meditation dry meditation is staying
2: in the hindrance in that in that uh, podcast i was talking about at the beginning with you i remember Mm -hmm. that and i've heard him use that term a lot you know like dry insight practice (laughs) right
1: yeah dry scent insight practice is one of the things that makes your practice slow and at times
0: unbearable The slow, hard way is to not have the mind fit for work.
2: Yeah.
1: Let us say it in that regard. Then what you want to do before you take a trip is get your car in order. Get all of the tires fixed. Get an oil change. Tune it up. Put some oil in the transmission. Check your, uh, you know where I'm coming from, you know. But that's the way that you do. Before you start a long journey, you get your automobile fixed up and in order. You get it samanti.
2: And would you say maybe the oil in that situation, if we're going to transfer it to practice, would be gladdening the mind? Would be one of the foundations? You could say that.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And enthusiasm then would become the fuel rather than right effort. But in the beginning, we're going to put some effort into it. But then we have to put some juice in it. But the whole point is is that many people try to take their mind out on a grand tour without having the car fit for travel. Yeah. And so they
2: have constant fright state. And they're like, okay, now I'm going to go meditate and. Go to John's and stuff, but you're, <laughs> yeah, it's, I can see uh, that being problematic.
0: Okay.
1: So, we need to gather up all the ingredients and get the car ready to go. In fact, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa talks about this in the sense of making the mind fit for work. Now, in the description of the jhanas, we talk about this in the sense of applied and sustained thought, and what we mean by that is applying the mind onto something that's worth applying it to and sustaining the the mind on that which is worth keeping sustained upon rather than drifting off into something that's unwholesome. So we can say whatever it is that's wholesome, we're going to apply the mind to wholesome things and then sustain that. We're not going to concentrate on it. We're just simply going to not do that other thing. So this is basically back to the teaching of the Buddha about subtractive, not additive. That in all cases, we keep taking things away and taking more away and taking more away. And in this case, we're taking the hindrances away, and so the applied and sustained thought is applying the mind so that there are no hindrances and sustaining the mind so that there are no hindrances. And when we can do that, one thought after another, one wholesome thought after another after another, that means that now the mind is stable and fit for work. And that the first job by the way that we need to do is to keep applying the mind and keep sustaining it and keep focusing on am I applying, am I sustaining? Can I, take, can I stay with this? Okay, so the, one of the first objects that we take then is the object of the breath. Can I apply the mind so that I'm re- taking a long deep breath? And can I sustain the long deep breathing? Can I be mindful on the in breath that it's a long breath? And mindful on the outbreath, breath and i'm taking a long out breath so the anapanasati Sutta is actually the buddha's method of teaching students how to get into the first jhana
2: and would you it's say that's probably one of the best um you could say like objects to
0: Well, a whole lot focus of reasons, that sustained,
2: focus that sus- sustained thought and attention on when you're starting is just the breath?
1: In in the beginning, yes. And as we progress in the practice, while we maintain the mindfulness of breathing in long and breathing out long, then is when we develop the other skills. So basically the first skill to come to is the skill in the Eightfold Noble Path of Santi to wake up. And in that waking up process, we're going to do a very small group of things. But The first item on the list is to really take a look at what's going on. Like, is that a hindrance in the mind? That's the first thing that we do. Because sometimes you'll wake up into a beautiful thought. The waking up and the beautiful thought often come together. Which is quite
0: marvelous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then the other one is is that we wake up and all there's that stuff again. Hi Harry, I see you. Okay, so the acknowledgement of the, the hindrances to seeing them, to recognize them, and then to know by recognizing them that you also have a choice over them, that you have complete choice over what kind of thoughts you're going to have. And so, in this regard, we're talking about step nine of Anapanasati, the waking up and, and investigating the mind, examining the mind in the sense of what contents are in there right now. And then the next one would be step 10 of Anapanasati, which is to gladden the mind, to brighten the mind, to throw that, which actually means this is a two step process of throwing the hindrances out of the mind, is the one to see them in this sense. Normally, when the mind is spinning around, we're just spinning with it. But sati is the process of, aha, I see you, to wake up to it. And by doing so, we separate ourselves. We're not that thought anymore. Now we're an observer of the thought rather than lost in the thought. We're not the thought. You are not your thoughts. You are an observer of your thoughts. And you see the distinction with that? Okay, that's step nine of Anapanasati, and now the next one is, is that we gladden the mind. Yee-hee, I see you, ha-ha! <laughs> okay, so the gladdening in the mind along with that is also taking the deep breath and relaxing. So the body component, the breathing is done so that the knowledge of the body, including knowledge of tension and knowledge of comfort and uncomfort, so that we can bring the body into a state of relaxation while we're bringing the mind into a state of relaxation by not having to deal with the hindrances anymore. And in fact, now part of the way that we're we're beginning to talk is in the, the, the speech of, wow, what a relief it is. I don't have to think about that right now. Well, I don't have to do anything right now. Well, I can just take a break for a minute and just enjoy the moment and, and come into the senses and be aware of what's around us, and including and especially the body and how relaxed we are and how do we feel. That in fact, that's the first way of doing it is body and mind uh, together. That in fact, you cannot control the breath without controlling the mind to control the breath. You have to put sati, you have to put a little bit of effort or another way of saying it in our language would be pay attention. So pay attention, actually the payment is the right effort. And the attention is the investigation. So we're going to start paying attention to what's going on but not in a very, very detailed specific, going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that, but paying attention to whatever's happening. Whatever's happening, what's coming up in our senses, what is coming up into our field of awareness, rather than just the old stuff that we've been processing all along. Normally that's the way that we can say that we think in past or in future, but we experience, in the now and so what we're talking about is getting into a state of experiencing through the senses what's happening in this present moment along with that we begin to enjoy this present moment because all of our dukkha comes out of the past and future but this present moment is quite nice especially if we talk ourselves about how nice it is wow it's so great i don't have to do anything with aunt susie right now (laughs) Aunt Susie's asleep. Boy, I let her sleep.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And so we just leave things alone. And what a relief it is that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to get anything done. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. Yeah, he hurt me. I don't have to retaliate. I'm okay. He didn't hurt me after all. He can't get to me is the kind of thoughts that we have. I'm above that. I'm better than that. I got this wired. So these are the kind of thoughts that generate the right attitude. We begin to have the attitude of I can handle it. I can do it. I feel safe. I feel secure. I feel satisfied. I feel comfortable. These are actual elements of the Pali word uh, sukha. Yeah. The sukha is exactly the opposite of the word dukkha. So in fact, when the Buddha says his teaching is nothing but dukkha, dukkha, naroda, he would actually could also say dukkha, sukha. Get yourself out of a state of dukkha by bringing yourself into a state of sukha. Come out of your dissatisfaction by intentionally become satisfied with what's happening. Normally we're dissatisfied with something that we've got on our mind. But the reality of the situation of this moment, of the way that your uh, clothing fits your skin, the way that your face feels, the way that the air is moving around you, and just this general sense of security can be found right where you are. So we begin to develop the jhana factor of sukha by inviting ourselves into it, basically by talking ourselves into a state of sukkha. Now, along with sukha comes in, often we practice feeling really good, and in that regard, we let the body relax. And then the next item comes on is that if we practice over and over again so that we know that we can do this, then the sense of um, confidence comes up. The Pali word is shraddha and it does not mean faith. It means evidential confidence, that you know that it's that way, and you keep checking it out, and every time you check it out, it keeps coming out correct. You begin to trust or know both the Dhamma, as taught by the Buddha, and your experience of the Dhamma when you're practicing, and you know that that stuff works. As you begin to know that that works, you can also gain the knowledge that no matter what happens, you can pull yourself out of the hindrances. No matter what happens, I can stop the hindrances and come back into the present moment and see the way things really are. Now, this stage is called the stage of the first knowledge on the path. The first knowledge on the path is that the student has the knowledge that no matter what, He can clean out, no matter how obstructed the hindrances are, no matter whatever he's got on his mind, no matter the dire situation he's found himself in, he can get his mind out of it. So whether you're arguing with your mother-in-law, whether you're visiting the doctor, whether you're sitting in the waiting room when you're riding on a train, a bumpy train, or whether you're getting arrested and having handcuffs and you got your face in the dirt, it doesn't matter what's going on, you can come out of it. And smile. And say, I can handle this. I can handle getting busted. (laughs) I can handle it. I'm a champion here. This is what we begin to call the noble attitude. This attitude that we're talking about is noble. It's super mundane. It's above it all. Because whatever it is can't touch me. I'm above it all. Even the cops busting me can't touch me I cannot be bothered I can still say enjoy yourself officer I know that you guys like handcuffing people and I will fully cooperate to make your job easy for you
0: go ahead and make them as tight as you like I can handle it But the likelihood, if you had that attitude
1: all along with the cops, he's probably not going to arrest you. Probably not going to handcuff you. You've got no reason to handcuff you. You've already yeah. been his best friend.
2: Yeah, of course, of course.
1: Yeah, of course. That's the whole point of it. Is is that nothing? You're above it all. You can handle anything. Doesn't matter what comes by. You can get your mind out of it, back into a good state. Now that's a pretty high place to be at, right? That's what we mean in that particular moment. That's the state of first jhana, The feeling like you're on top of the world that you can see exactly what's going on. And it has that quality also of the feeling of being not superior, but at least the winner here. I'm the charge. I'm the emperor. I'm the one who can handle this that whatever it is, I'm fully responsible for it, and I'm fully capable of managing that responsibility beautifully. This state is what is referred to in the you probably heard the word, called pity. This is not absorption. This is being the feeling of being a champion on top of the world. This is the feeling of grand success that very thing that every human craves for and that's why some enter politics some enter business some go into sports that everybody wants the feeling of being in charge and being the champion when all it is is just a feeling that you can actually create within your own mind that's the pity the feeling of being the boss the feeling i can do this also the word sama san which is the item on the Eightfold Noble Path, which has to do with one's right attitude. To begin to change your attitude to the attitude of a winner rather than the attitude that we were born with and maintain our whole lives, and that is the victim. That people feel a victim to their feelings, a victim to their thoughts, a victim to the rules that they have to keep, a victim of the standards they can't meet. Rather than being, you know, I can set my own rules so that I always win. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're thinking about it and you're thinking correctly with wisdom of course you're going to set your own rules and standards so then of course you're a champion
2: oh, I love that
1: <laughs> but I, instead you fought under other people's rules and now you're trying to live up to somebody else's standards and rules and you wind up being miserable because you can't match up to the rules that you've adopted Instead of adopting the right rules, which are the rules that you can match.
0: So that you do feel successful, so that you don't want anything anymore. A lot of
1: want, a lot of desire has to do with, oh, if I get that, then that plus me can get me over the hurdle or the bar of the standards that I can't meet without it.
2: Yeah, it's just not feeling enough. So me desire. plus
1: the new car, I call the chick magnet. The two of us can get a girl, but me alone, I can't get one. <laughs> but if I got a if I got a Mercedes, then I can get a girl. Okay, so that's the kind of thinking that we have. So we want things in order to feel good, and the Buddha is inviting you. No, take a look. That in fact, you can feel that way all on your own. You can give yourself the wet, juicy. You
0: don't have to settle for the dry. And we invite you to do that with Anapanasati. That's the practice, the wet, juicy.
1: That's the gladdening of the mind. Add some joy. Allow yourself to be satisfied, content, got enough. Everything is okay. So you have those things. You have the fearlessness, which actually is better way, because fearlessness has to do with battles and going in and doing dangerous things stupidly. Then, in fact, bravery is nothing but fear plus stupidity mixed together. Wise guys, really wise guys, don't go into battle. They try to make peace instead, and if they can't make peace, they take a hike. So this is not about bravery. This is about being feeling secure. That I can go talk to my enemy feeling secure, knowing that he's not going to attack me because I have no intention of getting into a battle with him. Which is different than going into into a meeting with him fearlessly, thinking that at any moment he might try to kill me. Yeah. So we're developing the feeling of safety and security and comfort and ease and safety and satisfaction. That's the big one. When we have the satisfaction, then that's the cookie or that's the um, the full-on definition of sukha. Why? Because dissatisfaction is the full-on definition of dukkha. Dissatisfaction versus satisfaction. And satisfaction is one of the elements of the Eightfold Noble Path. But basically, it's right there in front of us as a jhana factor and as number six, step six of Anapanasati, that mindfully breathing in, we develop safety and security. Mindfully, as we breathe out, we have thoughts of comfort and satisfaction. Like that, mindfully breathing in, wow, I got this handled. Mindfully breathe out, oh, what a relief it is to have nothing to do and no place to go. And so we mindfully develop that skill of feeling safe and secure and comfortable, relaxed. The body gets relaxed. The mind gets relaxed. But the mind is also very alert to make sure that the mind does not go back into Hindrances. Because that's his playground. I mean, that's where the mind has been this whole existence, is all in, you know, getting stuck in his own pile of mud. <laughs> and so we have to keep bringing the mind out. Never mind, dust yourself off, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start again. Over and over and over again, we need to practice. And as we do, the skill of Sati begins to develop. And as we develop the skill of sati, the skill of pity begins to develop. As I breathe in, I feel really joyful and in charge of the world. And as I breathe out, the world is mine. What world? The world right here, this world. Not that one way out there, because that world way out there is just a concept. And I don't have to deal with concepts. We can deal with the reality of right here, right now, I'm the king. I mean, I've got this chair nailed down to the ground. It will not move because I'm sitting on (laughs) it. I mean, this is the kind of thoughts that we have, that we've got it. Our life is wonderful right now. As I breathe in, I feel really good and champion and fine. And as I breathe out, oh, what a marvelous place this is. And so we start having these very wholesome, high class, noble thoughts. And we begin to feel that way. Pity and sukha, free from hindrances with a mind that's applied to the wholesome, sustains the wholesome, and the body is relaxed. So those are the factors of the first jhana. The six factors. Number one, freedom from the hindrances. Number two, let's juicy this thing up. Let's gladden the mind. Number three, let's start breathing more naturally rather than breathing normally. Everybody normally breathes in a very shallow, uh, conservative way. Here we're going to be um, inviting the, um, the, jo- the joy of living, life itself, that, li- that breath is life-giving. So, we begin to enjoy that we're taking in all of this life and we're breathing out. And as we breathe out, we throw out a bunch of garbage. So, as we breathe out, we can also throw out a bunch of mental garbage and take in some new, fresh reality. And as we breathe out, we throw out old mental garbage. And as we breathe in, we breathe in joy. As I breathe out, I relax. And so, we practice this over and over again and get the mind into that relaxed, sharp frame of mind. This is the first jhana where the mind is really fit for work and can see what's going on because we're having far more mind moments in reality and very few mind moments stuck in the past to the future. Even the talking that we're doing is a blow-by-blow description of what's actually happening in reality right now rather than, oh, you should do this, or, oh, I've got to go do that. So a lot of it has to do, oh, never mind. Never mind that stuff. Back to being happy. Over and over and over again, we practice. That it has to be quite repetitive, because you have been practicing, repeating, being in hindrances. You have practicing being in a state of talking yourself into feeling bad. So now we have to practice over and over and over again to start to develop this as a skill to be able to easily talk ourselves into this state of happiness and joy and satisfaction, contentment, fearlessness, or safety and security. You know, it's a really just nice. And you need to practice getting into that state over and over again and then practice maintaining it over and over again. So when the mind is truly fit for work, now we can put it to the work of noting. And there's a whole lot of stuff that we can note once the mind is fit for work. But also in the process of getting it fit for work, we're developing the jhana factors. Which what we mean is, what what is the mind fit for work to do, is to develop and maintain the jhana factors. How is my sati? How is my investigation? How is my joy? How is my fearlessness? How is my comfort? How is my relaxation? How is my ability to focus or in the sense of apply the mind? How, how is my ability to sustain? Can I keep sustaining? Can I keep sustaining? So basically, the jhana factors themselves
0: wind up being the objects that are worthy of investigation. Because they're all wholesome, as opposed to observing, noting, and
1: watching unwholesome things, which is what dry insight meditation does. They just note whatever's there. Here we're going to have everything spick and span and clean so that when we do a mental inspection, we win completely. The old butler cannot take his white love and wipe anywhere and find any
0: speck of dust. <laughs> and so we invite him to come take a look. Yeah. This
2: has uh, shown a lot of light on the first John. I did, definitely haven't heard this level of... Uh, depth on it in this way before
1: well it's it's all right there in the sutras
2: yeah hmm is and there a sutta that you would recommend to someone to read first if they haven't read a full sutta before i mean the the closest thing i i've listened to the diamond sutra a number of times but What would be a good beginner sutta, in your opinion?
0: I would say for the beginner to recognize,
1: and I'm laughing because this was hard for me. Sometimes I used to think that I can find what I'm looking for in the suttas, like there's one sutta that's going to give it all, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and um, that's not true in the sense that the suttas were always given as threads or as a thread of conversation, just like you and I are having a thread of conversations about it now. But yeah. in that regard, I pulled stuff from a whole lot of different suttas, so I can say this that, um, without going too deeply into it, there is one sutta number 119 which is the Kaya Nupasana Sutta on the body, where it does discuss the first jhana, including um, stories about it. So you could take that little passage out of Sutta number 119 and then superimpose it on top of the Anapanasati Sutta to say, oh yeah, that's right, the Anapanasati Sutta fits exactly what we're doing here in this, this theoretical definition with examples of it in 119. And then we can go to which, so that's 119 and 118, and then we go to 117 to see where the Eightfold Noble Path is what ties all of this stuff together.
2: So start 119, then 118 with the knowledge of 119, and then 117 with the knowledge of
1: Right, and if you can get those three sutras down so that you can see the interrelationship between the two of them or the three of them, then we can begin to add other sutras to that to begin a a piling on. But I have drawn stuff out of sutra number 48, number 2, number 24, number 39, number 117, 118, and 119 just today in our talk.
0: I've covered all of the bits and pieces of all of those sutras. Yeah. I can't imagine what
2: what understanding you have from the sutras of all of this stuff that I lack right now. It's got to be a lot.
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's so I can point you in the direction, but the um, uh, the pointing you in the right direction is only half the job. Uh-huh. I've also got to kick you in the ass to get you started.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's both one and two. I got to point you in the right direction and then kick you off to get you started. And we have to do both of
0: them over and over and over and over and over again as you move down the path. Yeah. And so you,
2: what what are your thoughts on the idea of transmission?
0: That's what we're doing right now.
2: Well, that's why I was asking, because I actually feel uh, quite a difference. Um, that's why. <laughs> so.
0: Yes,
1: that, it's the art of transmission, the art of, of uh, kindling a spark and then blowing it in your direction to light your fire. And that fire is basically the attitude of, I can do this, I can do that. I can change my way of living. I can feel the way I want to. I can change. That's what my deal is. That's what I'm trying to give you is I can change mentality.
0: You can. You can develop the skills you
2: need. Yeah, I would say that's probably been the most consistent thing that I've gained from talking with you uh, the times that we have or the time that I was in the, one of the sangha meetings, it's you're really good at that. Um, generating that feeling of being able to do it, you know? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's something that is missing from a lot of a lot of teachings that I've, you know, gone through. And it right. definitely helped me a lot. Um, when I first talked with you afterwards i noticed some really big changes with that attitude you know
0: okay well now that you know about the the,
1: the details and the forms of the first jhana now we have to practice how to get into it uh, Because actually, when you understand the first jhana, then you already know how to get into it. We've been talking about how do you get into the first jhana? The answer to that is we have to wake up and we have to then pay attention to what's going on, gladden the mind, deepen the breath, and repeat. Basically, we rinse the mind and repeat. (laughs) That's all there is to it rinse and repeat rinse and repeat
0: rinse and repeat rinse and repeat over and over and over again you probably heard that that's on the back of shampoo bottles <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we keep working on it over and over again, keep cleaning
1: the mind, keep uh, throwing unwholesome thoughts out. And pretty soon you get very good at figuring out what is a wholesome and what's an unwholesome thought. You begin to do an investigation that's determinative, you're um, questioning, is this thought worth having or not? Or is it actually hindering me from feeling the way that I could feel if I let myself feel the way I
0: want to feel, rather than feeling the way that this thought makes me feel? And so you begin to change the thoughts and the higher quality of the thoughts you have, the better you feel. Yeah,
2: that's
0: very true. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That we do condition ourselves to feel with our thinking. So if you're thinking about hurting someone, anger is not far away. But if you have the thoughts, oh, he he didn't hurt me, he didn't touch me, I'm beyond that,
1: he can't touch me, I'm okay you probably heard it in the expression of the best revenge is living well. Which means like that that. whatever he did to me, whatever he did to me didn't touch me. I'm still living fine. He can't get to me. He can call me anything he wants
0: or take any product I own and he can't hurt me. So, if you feel above it all and you just can't he just I mean they can't do anything to
1: hurt you, you're you're good enough to you're above all of that. That's a whole lot better position to take than, oh no, poor me. He took my wadi doll or whatever.
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: You can't smirch my reputation. I don't even have one.
2: <laughs> What'd you say it it disconnected for a second there.
1: I, I, I made the joke, you can't smirch my reputation because I don't even have one. <laughs> so this is the kind of attitude that we're talking about, that we developed that attitude. The Buddha was known as a lion. This is what we're talking about, is the lion's attitude, the attitude of I can handle this, which is basically wrapped up in that sukha. He can't do anything to make me feel bad. Only I can do that. And I'm certainly not going to use what he said as an instrument to make me feel bad. Why? Just because he tried to stab me in the back should so I pull that dagger around and start stabbing myself with it. <laughs> That's what we do.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this is the way that we do it. We, we remove those hindrances. We remove those knives that and the slings and the arrows of outrageous fortune throw
0: them out of the mind they're not there they can't touch me
2: i think you're transmitting a bit to my cat too he seems to be more relaxed and out than he's been in a while
1: well maybe he's he's getting a third hand through you and he's just yeah
2: he's he i guess he's He's got the relaxation of the, the, well, he's the, the lion at the, the top r- of the food chain. With Exactly.
1: He's the lion in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, become a cat. Become above it all. You're better than those humans. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: They'll go around thinking about things and then feeling bad, and we don't have to think about anything,
0: and we don't have to feel bad. <laughs> So your cat's in First John most of the time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this feels nice.
0: Okay, Brandon. Well, I think that this is a good time to end. I think that this is a,
1: a a good discussion we've had. Thanks for asking.
2: Yeah, the time went quick. I I thought to myself, you know, Domirato talks a lot about the first Jana and a lot of people come in with all these high-end questions they want to be at the end, and I was like, maybe the best thing to actually move forward would be to try to focus on the most fundamental thing as I can.
1: Well, as you can tell, I've had some time to do this over and over again there's probably four or five videos in the past several years that talk about this
2: yeah i might i might go back well do you think it's worth it to watch those after i've had the discussion with you
1: or up to you it's all entertainment just enjoy the show
2: you might pick up an
1: extra tidbit or two
2: I think I'm definitely gonna check out 119, then 118, then 117. That sounds like a good plan. From what you right. said,
1: have to Is remember the, that that's in the Majumalaya.
2: Majumalaya, if I said it right.
0: Right, the middle middle link sayings.
2: Okay. Well, All right. yeah. Thank you for everything today. It was great. I really enjoyed it.
0: Me, too.
1: Yeah, this is I get a real kick out of the Dhamma. I mean, I could be in my bedroom pouting right now. Yes, I'm still here.
2: Hey, I, when you said, you said, me too, I really enjoy it, and then it cut out. What did you say? Oh, I we? said,
1: yeah, if we weren't talking together right now, I'd probably be in my bedroom pouting or something.
2: <laughs> oh, really? I don't believe oh, that.
1: No, I'm joking.
2: <laughs> I don't believe that for a second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll see you. And see your yeah, cat,
2: too. Talking.
0: Yeah, great talking. Okay, Brandon. We'll
2: see him again.
0: All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.